Strategy and Insider, exploring future trends and their impacts. Welcome to the 13th episode of our Strategy and Insider podcast. My name is Thomas and I'm the host of this podcast as well as a partner with Strategy and. I'm happy to share that our podcast attracts an ever-growing number of listeners and I do truly appreciate every single one tuning in to our conversation. And also, thanks for finding your way into today's session, uh, which I'm sure you won't be uh, disappointed by. As you know, um, with our podcast, we aim to explore what the future of healthcare might look like, especially with regard to new technologies, but also players in this market. And we already had a number of guests representing those new players and discussed with them what it means to be kind of the new kid on the block, like Dan Vedat, who is the founder of the digital health startup Yuma. He basically told us that passion, naivety and perseverance were his main drivers leading to the success of his company. And as we see, there are many questions, especially for those new entrants in the market, which also include tech players like Amazon, Apple and Google making their way into healthcare. And this is why I'm absolutely thrilled that my guest today agreed to come onto our podcast. So a very warm welcome to Ashima Gupta. Ashima is the Director for Global Healthcare Solutions at Google Cloud. And um, in uh, this capacity, she is working at the intersect of health and technology, accelerating the digital transformation in healthcare with a special focus on customer experience and with the help of technologies like machine learning and artificial intelligence to achieve such a better experience. Before getting into healthcare, uh, by joining the US Healthcare Consortium Kaiser Permanente about 10 years ago, um, Ashima uh, worked in financial services at JP Morgan as well as Fidelity Investments, already in those days dealing with technology solutions. And originally, um, she studied computer science in Delhi and Ghaziabad in India and recently completed the executive medical education program at Harvard Medical School back in 2018. So listening to myself, um, to this uh, introduction, um, Ashima, big thanks already for joining me today from the Bay Area. I'm really very much looking forward to our conversation. Thomas, thank you so much for this generous introduction. Truly humbling to be here today and talking to you. The pleasure is really on my side, because when I went through your very impressive career that you had uh, until here, which includes obviously positions in very diverse industries, there is one big thing that runs through like let's say, the, the, the common threat, um, which is your focus on technology. Um, could you help us shed some light on what to you personally um, makes technology so fascinating um, and also whether you anticipated kind of the giant leaps that we have seen um, in technology over the past decades since you started out? That's a great question, Thomas. So technology is something I've been passionate about for as long as I can remember. Uh, my passion in the field of computer science started truly when my dad uh, exposed me to a local computer science class. It was a very small class, maybe five, six kids, and uh, he was influencing me to really uh, get into computer science. And this was his way of uh, getting me exposed to, uh -huh. the, to the world of computer science. And um, from there, there has been no looking back. I, I believe... Exposure in computer science earlier on helped shape my thinking, but also the instant gratification that you get in 
I realize now we don't see that they, the things don't move that quickly. Mm-hmm. But in, in my view, moving people from consumer to creators is, is what computer science is all about. You can create something, you can see the results, and that's fascinating. And um, as I said, there's no looking back. And the impact and the profoundness of technology in our lives is is, is, is it continues to unfold and, and impacts us in a way never imaginable before. That is, that is very interesting to see on, on what made you go into this um, profession. And you left the financial sector where you started out first about 10 years ago and then diving into healthcare. Um, what made you basically um, shift um, gears there from a world of banking, investments and businesses to be made to one of yeah, di- diseases, diagnostics and treatments? And um, what, what made that switch in your life happen? So as you mentioned, Thomas, I've studied both bachelor's and master in computer science. And mm-hmm. my first job was as a programmer. And when you start your job, you really don't pick your industry. And it mm-hmm. was just by happenstance, I joined Fidelity Investments. And then that became the career. And then uh, later on, I moved on to JP Morgan Chase, which was a bank. Fintech, as we call it back then, it was finance, uh, finance industry. It's a fascinating world. In fact, my the first two patents that I have are, are in the field of applying tech in the world of banking. Uh, things move at a faster pace, and there's a plenty of opportunity to grow and see your idea transform from inception to becoming a product or distribution. It's a very, very fast-paced industry. Um, so I was enjoying it, and there was, in 2008, a sudden loss of my dad due to his mm-hmm. health reasons made me take a deeper look into what types of problems I want to help solve by leveraging technology. It's all about problem solving, but that made me kind of think about how should I be spending my time going forward? There was that need to commit to a larger purpose. Um, and can we you know, work in a small way and make a difference to help people lead a healthier life? So that has been my journey in healthcare. The other thing I uh, learned was the people are in healthcare are incredibly devoted to the cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kind of peers, the friends, and the industry stakeholders I work with. Um, and, and you can see that in both inside and outside in how they spend time and how they devote their energy. And I find it pretty compelling. And it's it's a very small community and the commitment to the larger purpose. And that's something I've never seen before in the fintech. So it's both the purpose, the commitment, and also the people that you work with and the ability to make a difference and the impact that we are all really driving towards. It's it's unseen. At least I didn't see that um, mm. in fintech. And while, while you're saying that that switch from fintech into healthcare was a, was a big step yeah? um, in, mm-hmm. in, in the dimensions that you outlined, um, is there also some things that are in parallel between those professions and industries? Because me not coming from the fintech side, do you see some similarities from from what experience the fintech industry, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, that is currently ongoing with the digitization of healthcare? Absolutely, Thomas. At the end, as I mentioned, uh, the core is the problem solving. The technology components are the same. I was actually even using the same technology products 
uh, <laughs> from fintech to healthcare, there is absolutely no difference. Um, I think one needs to think what type of problems that you want to help solve. Like what, yeah. what motivates you, what gets you out of out of the bed, and I think that's where I believe the healthcare's larger purpose and commitment you can really get behind yeah. and, and feel good about. So basically the technology and the approach to solve problems is the same, but it's more where you want to make that difference and what motivates you, where you want to leave your mark um, in life. Now, Ashima, you are at Google Cloud. And of course, Google is one of the best known companies in the world and uh, belongs to uh, the very famous group of big tech corporations uh, called GAFAM. Um, but while we all know how to basically Google something, could you also help us describe, um, I don't know, three, four, five sentences of what Google Cloud does? Sure thing. Um, so, Thomas, you touched on that. Most people know Google as a consumer company, and mm -hmm. we've been working hard for more than two decades to, to create products that delight and, and, and make it helpful for people to lead their lives. Um, and you know those products, be it Google Search, YouTube, Gmail. In fact, we have nine products that are in the consumer space, and they, they have over a billion users, each kind of a user base. So we have been doing and working hard in creating that consumer-oriented product. And a few years ago, uh, what was realized back by the leadership, that these products, but they all run on the same technology underpinning and, and technology infrastructure. Mm -hmm. so the vision became, can we democratize that infrastructure for innovation, not just by Google's own products, by, by the industry? And Cloudway was coming in pretty strong. All that was then, um, think of it as the same infrastructure, the same uh, problems that Google had to worry about, security, compliance, availability, scalability, the same problems are being faced by the industry. Mm -hmm. So um, that that's how the Google Cloud was created. And, and we have not looked back. Our Google Cloud mission now has always been to provide a platform to support digital transformation using data and helping, in this case, from cloud healthcare perspective, healthcare industry reimagine how they can transform their business model digitally. Today, the benefit is the same technology that is available to Google's own developers are mm -hmm. is available to anyone around the world. Right? That's what. That's the beauty of cloud. That's the beauty of you know how you democratize innovation by making the same tech available to everyone. And on top of that, now once you have the infrastructure, we are going deeper uh, in mm -hmm. the industry-specific innovation, and that's one of the charter of the group I lead is creating industry-specific products. In this case, for healthcare, to help healthcare industry leverage these and digitally transform themselves and, and giving those assets and tools. So innovating on top of the infrastructure is the industry veneer, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I own the product and solution strategy in creating helpful tools to help you accelerate the journey for our customers. Touching up on those products, in your perspective, now looking at now three, four years down the road, what would be the two, three products that you would see that would make a very big difference in healthcare, both in quality as well as uh, cost circumstances, probably? 
I think that's a great, great question. And, and Thomas, I'll tell you, if he had asked me this question last year, my answer would have been different. <laughs> <laughs> Can imagine, yeah, with all the happening in between now. Yeah, yeah so code has completely made us rethink and recalibrate our product and solution portfolio. So mm. when we are building and I am leading our product and solution roadmap and strategy, you look into what is the industry dealing with right now? Mm-hmm. And um, a few themes have emerged and we have changed and recalibrated our product portfolio in light of what we're hearing from our customers. And uh, one of the trends, and no surprise, is uh, around virtual care or digital care delivery. Mm-hmm. And um, during COVID, by the way, we had done this survey because we wanted to see how much of this telehealth demand or virtual care demand is going to be permanent versus it is perishable. And overwhelmingly, the response that we received uh, globally that this is here to stay. Mm-hmm. And now as we are thinking about, our customers are thinking about not just during COVID uh, as the uh, you know, technology solution was spun up almost overnight, but post-pandemic recovery, what is going to be important? So virtual health and digital care delivery is, is at the top the future is going to be hybrid, right? It's not that everything will become virtual. Everything is now telehealth. Health is very personal. Human touch is very important. Um, But telehealth is not going away. Mm -hmm. Both consumers and physicians want to use telehealth in the future. Uh, However, the new model is going to be hybrid. I strongly believe it's a combination of both virtual and physical care. And the trick will be to incorporate both physical and virtual care. Uh, And and the tremendous potential is around augmenting human productivity with AI and artificial intelligence. When we talk about human fatigue, when we talk about the back-end processes, there's a lot of documentation in in healthcare. You know, we say 80% of data is unstructured. Can we make sense of those documents, that unstructured data, those PDFs, those faxes that come in, automate that using, and there are technologies like document understanding from, from Google, where the underneath it's natural language processing, and we are doing medically tuned NLP, if you will, to mm-hmm. understand the context of those documents in the industry-specific domain, and Again, those are all means, means to an end. An end here is, can we aid human productivity, leveraging these tools? Can we assist um, with the human fatigue that comes from these repetitive tasks over and over again? I think that's a huge potential. So the goal of the project here is to help improve accuracy of diagnosis, help ensure accuracy of treatments, and ultimately, as I mentioned, is to assist physicians who are facing overwhelming volume of data when making diagnostics and treatment decisions, right? This is just too much data and the data is continuing to grow. Yeah. And, and can, I, can I just probe into that a bit? Um, because you, you at the beginning uh, also said uh, the hybrid model in digital uh, or virtual care delivery um, that um, uh, also there from an efficiency standpoint, uh, a lot could be gained. And uh, I think of... Things like Amazon Transcribe Medical, for instance, where they are automatically transcribing conversations between a physician and a patient into an EHR record and taking out 
80 to 90% of documentation time and giving that back to the doctor, right? And similar things are, I'm sure, also available in Google Cloud and others and, and more emerging. Um, th there are people that are claiming that digitization of healthcare is also kind of a humanization, a rehumanization of healthcare because uh, doctors, professionals are gaining time back to either invest into seeing more patients during a day or investing that also ideally into proper dialogue with the patient and really being a counterpart to the patient again rather than filling out documents. Um, having said that, I guess two things directly jump to mind. If if we want to achieve this, obviously data standards will, will be of utmost importance. So you can move from system A to system B, from clinic A to clinic B, and always kind of be in the same system, be in the same mode without needing to retrain on, on too many systems, which is one. And secondly, we also need to train our um, doctors that are in the market already uh, and the doctors yet to come from uh, universities um, uh, on, on, on believing in those technologies, using those technologies and applying it properly. Where, where do you see us going there? Are we, uh, how, how far advanced are we in, in kind of adoption of this? Or would you even disagree? <laughs> well, so let me say, I think you, you, you've said such a profound thing that Digitization of healthcare is also humanization of healthcare. Um, beautifully said and 100% agree, Thomas. So I'll be using that line going forward. It's very <laughs> profound. <laughs> Great. Thanks. It's, it's a profound one, right? Because you're right. Uh, we have built the systems. And when you look back, as of 2009 for the uh, High Tech Act, the mm -hmm. EHR market was created and the intentions were, it was well-intentioned. Uh, to digitize from paper to electronic. Like I grew up in India and a lot of time we all have grown up in, in, with the handwritten notes from the doctors. And our health story today has changed from those handwritten notes to a digital di digest mm -hmm. with only volumes yet to come, right? And that story for our health is not just the two times we visit the doctor. Mm -hmm. It is our, our uh, lifestyle, it's our behavior, it's It's all that other data about us. And EHRs are, were not created with that in mind. Yeah. But over time, EHRs have also become the uh, the billing systems or the documenting system because they had to cater to the reimbursement and the payment models um, mm -hmm. within the U.S. So I, I believe when we look forward uh, from the EHR perspective, I think they are doing a fine job. They are being built and are supporting this this dynamic in the industry and the reimbursements and billing, but it has also created a lot of burden on the doctors, as you're saying. So it's no longer when I'm seeing the patient, it's also recording what I saw the patient for. And it becomes onerous. Right? So, and, and when you look from the physician perspective, a lot of job satisfaction also kind of chips away when you are really about not just taking care of the patient, but also documenting the visit so that you get reimbursed or your, the health system that you're part of gets reimbursed. But that is important, right? That's how the payment models is built. So the can we take that burden away? I think that's where you are alluding to, I 100% agree, the medical translation, medical transcription, uh, where that burden is shifted away from when a patient and doctor are interacting. And that's a vision even for virtual care. Imagine... When you and I are having this today, it's a, a virtual call, 
someone is listening uh, from the tech perspective, is understanding the right keys, the entities, the medication, and have created the note, um, that can actually go to the HR with the right billing calls and and also present it back to the physician that, okay, I've done maybe 70% of the job, can you edit? Or But it needs to be accurate enough, otherwise it'll create more burden. So now where the industry is, we are making leaps uh, in, in, in this technology, especially speech-to-text, as well mm-hmm. as natural language understanding, understanding the entity, understanding the uh, the behavior within the entities and con- context and intent, and then creating the structured data or information out of that. Um, I think that that is where the future is going to be. Still mm-hmm. early days, but tremendous progress uh, in those as you mentioned, um, Thomas, it's it's about really, can we augment human productivity? Can we humanize it mm-hmm. for them? Can we make it easy and not cause for fit, more fatigue for them? Yeah. And you mentioned something very important also for the, the future healthcare, which is the, the so-called lifestyle data that, that we're all generating around ourselves by using our series and Alexas and, and all the smart smartwatches out there. And in, in such a technologized and digitized healthcare systems, we as patients or potential patients are, are likely to become more and more empowered by these technologies and, and hence also more and more, in my eyes at least, develop into customers and users of that and uh, with a with an increased self-confidence towards probably also our doctors in what we're suggesting for them um, to to prescribe even in future what's your opinion on that i think this is an area i'm very very passionate about um thomas i did when i was at kaiser we had launched this remote monitoring for diabetes mm-hmm. uh, it was a pilot with a certain set of population and they were given glucose meter Fitbit devices and weighing scale because in the condition of diabetes is not just about taking metamorphin or your medication it's a lot about lifestyle mm-hmm. and today like 86 percent uh, adults and you know the, the spending is on chronic condition so it's both a business uh, question it's also uh, when you look the chronic condition is impacting both the bottom line and also affecting people. And if you are having a chronic condition, it's a lifelong collaboration with your physician, with your case manager, with your nurses. And and what we need is the tools to give them to empower and have that empathy. Both mm-hmm. are important. And we sometimes feel that we are empowering the patient, but giving them a plethora of apps and devices is not helpful. It's really being in their shoes and having that empathy, like what will be helpful? And and you're absolutely right when people take care of their own health or when they participate and have more knowledge about their own health, I think it it improves. And we saw that in pilot where A1C dropped um, by a few, uh, it, it was knocked down by a few points. And it was pretty encouraging that people appreciated the that they are seeing the same data as a physician. So there was a care protocol for diabetic that mm-hmm. you have to walk three miles, your calorie count needs to be below a certain number based on your BMI, as well as your medication. And all those data was then combined, a dashboard was created. Uh, prior to that pilot, it was like the information was shared over the phone. The, so the case manager would have called them every two weeks or every month. It's a 20-minute phone call. And most of the time, the the data was recorded on a paper. It never went back to the EHR. Now the world is different. Now with, with that, 
can we digitally create a digital health ledger for you if, as an example, like your healthy lifestyle and, and both physician and patient are looking at the same day and I can see, you know what, you're right. I goofed up on weekend and I didn't exercise and I ate mm-hmm. like two cupcakes and I can see the trends. Um, and I think people are looking for that insight. A diabetic knows that they, they have to eat healthy and they have to walk, but understanding their data, collecting their data and presenting them with choices where there's an opportunity for more intervention is much more powerful. In all this, uh, and, and I know you are also a very fierce protector of data privacy. And in one of your statements, you talked about that it's paramount that security is considered right from the get-go and it's not an afterthought in developing such solutions and presenting that uh, to the patients or the customers out in the market. And back in, in January 2020, the, the California Consumer Privacy Act went into action and it's uh, not um, unfrequently um, uh, described mm-hmm. as one of the most comprehensive privacy legislations in the US. Um, and uh, in Europe, data protection is obviously also a huge topic, both on the mm-hmm. societal, but also on the regulatory level. I mean, seeing this and, and seeing that harmonization um, of data, but also harmonization probably of data privacy laws um, would be of importance. Where, where do you see that in the US? It's a very dispersed privacy law, at least to someone from Europe looking into that, um, mm-hmm. that uh, California is, is rather strict comparable to Europe. How do you see see that um, uh, in the US and, and more broadly. You're absolutely right. It is uh, one of the top and very critical um, requirement for us. We believe that the trust is created through transparency and we want to be transparent about our commitments and what customers can expect uh, when they move the data to the data cloud. And we have publicly spoken about those trust principles. Mm-hmm. Uh, privacy, we know, especially in healthcare, it's it's critical. In fact, it's a non-starter if we can't give you those guarantees or those principles. So um, we have seven principles that we talk about very openly, very publicly, because we understand fully in, in that our customers' data is a patient's health data. It's critical to their business. And frankly, it's very critical to our business. So we take great care to keep it safe and under and, and give the tools so our customers can give it, keep it under their control. Mm-hmm. And um, so the principles, you know, there are seven of them. So number one is security is important, right? Know that mm-hmm. security comes first in everything we do. And so we promptly notify if we detect a breach of security that compromises any data. The mm-hmm. second is control what happens to your data from the enterprise perspective. And there's a unique uh, problem from Google's perspective that we have that I'm often asked, do you combine this data for advertising? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think here what happens is that that people are mixing Google search engine, YouTube, Fitbit with Google Cloud, I guess, right? And uh, this is what what's not transparent to people, I guess, or at least not uh, not not widely widely in the heads of people. No, absolutely, Thomas. I think and that's why I want to go on the record and say our customers own their data. Google Cloud does not, does not process their data for advertising purposes. Mm-hmm. We adhere to independently verified security practices. 
we have um, many audits like third-party audits and mm-hmm. transparency report that are available to our customers. So it's not just us saying it. And also we publish the location of where of our Google data centers. Like mm-hmm. I know data residency is important, especially when we're talking globally or internationally. Yeah. So we publish that pre-openly and, and we adhere to those. And we are um, adherence to recognize international security and privacy standards is certified and validated by independent auditors. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think those are our our, that is our commitment to our customers and uh, we owe it to them and we understand this is critical and as I said it's not just critical for our customers it's, it's our it's critical for our own business yeah. to give that assurance and to stand behind these principles and we do thanks very much for making this very clear if I may just come back because you so nicely talked about um, the various data perspectives and and sources. There is the EHR, for instance, on the one hand, Mm -hmm. that sits a lot with the providers and the payers. There is um, disease knowledge and also clinical trial knowledge that that very much sits with uh, the the pharma companies and and the medtech companies. And there is uh, a growing importance also of lifestyle, healthcare-related lifestyle data that sits uh, also elsewhere. Uh, um, with Fitbit, with uh, smartwatch providers, and, and you name it. Um, and I, I personally see a lot of benefit if there is a convergence of interests obviously happening between those, because only then you can read um, into into proper data and characterize a, a human being. But that merits some sort of partnerships. And I know that you're also having uh, quite a series of partnerships with leading clinics, but also leading pharmas. Um What's your key takeaway from those kind of interactions and, and partnerships that you had until here? As you said, right, the healthcare is no longer when you it's it's when you are in the doctor's office as like a sick care. Yes, the whole paradigm of the industry is changing. It is about moving from sick care to being health, and and. To do that, we need to be able to combine multiple different data points from a patient standpoint. And that's where a topic that I'm truly was very near and dear to my heart is the data interoperability. Mm-hmm. When we are talking about creating empathetic and empowering experiences uh, from a patient's perspective, it's super hard, I can tell you that, to create mm-hmm. that connected experience because your data is so siloed across different departments and different systems. Um, some of your your data is in different format. For example, HL7 or Fire when it, it comes to EMR data. When you're talking about images, it's in some pack system. And the new the standards are yet to be developed for this newly patient generated data, which is your fit, you know your fitness profile, your steps, your you know glucose meter readings, and things like that. That's why standards like Fire are critical, or interoperability is critical, um, because you want to see patient as a whole human. Right? It's not just oh, my medical record. You, 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 and, and for us to be whole human, multiple of these data points need to be connected. Yeah. And that's, that's where we will move from episodic to, pro, to proactive care and interoperability is core to this. And when you talk about digital health monitoring, creating new data streams that are relevant, listening to our patients in, in their daily lives and, and uh, that meaningful intervention um, and today, when we all started, uh, 
this journey in the digital health, there are many, many different apps, but most of those apps don't connect to their the patient's records in a more meaningful way. Right? So that, to me, creating a connected and empowering experience comes with different uh, data standards and harmonizing and understanding that the different data standard is one of our core offering from a cloud perspective. So mm-hmm. Google Cloud Healthcare API, that's where I had, uh, uh, you know, invested a lot from the solution and product roadmap perspective uh, that we need to give tools to ingest data. So think of us as glorified plumbers, if you will, mm-hmm. ingest different data types and it's been humbling. I have got it Let me let me ask you one thing then, because I think that harmonization and the data interoperability. Um, I mean, now having me having the beauty speaking to you um, from a Google Cloud perspective, if you kind of take Google Cloud and AWS um, uh, and their cloud system and uh, things like SAP Cloud and you name it, um, on a a scale from zero to 10 uh, in terms of how this is harmonized and you could take data from A to B and share it with C um, and and, and have a, a seamless interoperable system, where would we stand currently on a, on a scale from zero to 10 in your perspective? I would say we are maybe at two or three. It's, it's pretty hard. Um, and, and that's where I think from a healthcare perspective, at least in US, we have the new rules coming out from CMS and ONC because lack of seamless data exchange in healthcare has historically distracted from patient care. Like we all know that. Mm-hmm. And, and that leads to poor health outcomes, at least to higher costs. So um, CMS, which is the Center of Medicare and Medicaid, uh, they have this final rule that came out earlier this year mm-hmm. to help break down these barriers in the nation's health system to enable the better patient access. And, and now the industry is really looking for embracing these rules and we, from the cloud, as a cloud community perspective, we are looking at investing in giving these tools because it's not easy. Even if there's a noble intention to make data interoperable and give an API level access, that's what the rule calls for. Mm-hmm. And um, the tooling doesn't exist. It's not easy. The formats are different, the different EHR vendors. And then on top of that, there's different types of data. So we yeah. talk about the healthcare data, but think about my access to my claims or my encounter information. Now your claims, if you look into it, it has wealth of information, at least in US, including, you know, cost, how much I paid. So the holy grail that I, you know, like is can we combine the claim data in conjunction with clinical data and offer a broader and more holistic understanding of a patient's or individual interaction with the healthcare? I think yeah. that will lead to better decision-making, that will lead to better health outcomes, and we are very, very early days on, on that. And um, uh, Ashima, as, as you know, and also during the, the pre-conversations that we had and, and also when mm-hmm. prepping for today, um, you know that I'm working a lot also with more kind of the traditional side um, of the healthcare system, uh, talking about mm-hmm. the, the pharma companies, the biotechs, the medtechs, and, 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 and uh, yeah, surrounding providers and payers sometimes. Um, what, what I'm seeing and hearing there is um, if they could borrow something from uh, 
the tech side, from the new kids on the block, they would borrow um, your customer-centric approach. Um, they would borrow your um, uh, success-proven IT and data analytics capabilities that you've shown elsewhere. But first and foremost, they would also be very much interested in kind of borrowing your entrepreneurial culture and, and spirit uh, coming to work uh, with the uh, appetite for adapting uh, um, every day um, and, and seeing that as a core capability. Now, comparing that into your world, what, what would you borrow uh, from those uh, more traditional pharma and, and medtech players, if you could? That's a great question, Thomas. Um, when I work with our customers, both from pharma, payers, providers, I think there's an overarching team, and I think the people are truly committed to the clients. Right? There's, they have this overarching, intense uh, you know, um, you can call it desire to really mm-hmm. help the patients. The right intention, right motivation from a people perspective, and it, it, that's something that inspires me. Mm-hmm. A lot of our customers, we, we work very, very closely with them. We work alongside with them. And the mission and the purpose uh, for the path that the uh, different companies are leading, it's, it's inspiring. Mm-hmm. We are here for the right reasons. So I think I, I continuously learn from them. Uh, the second is um, from where I sit now and I've come from the industry, I think sometimes uh, that obsession of our consumers mm-hmm. is, is is something that we have learned the art of, like what, what will be helpful, what will be, in, but there's still some blind spots we have, right? When mm-hmm. we're looking from the patient perspective, in, at, at the end, we no matter how great the tool we build, we are not a healthcare company, right? We do mm-hmm. not know at the very core level how to take care of patients. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the synergistic combination where we want to work and, and create a kind of an ecosystem and participate from bringing our tools and the service of the big companies like pharma, payers, provider, and, and working alongside with them to help shape the care delivery of the future. I think that's mm-hmm. that's my hope and that's what, uh, you know, I'm very, very passionate about. But but you, you mentioned very interestingly that uh, phrase of ecosystem that you want to build and also be entrenched in. Um, and that merits to me that you are not seeing kind of the traditional side of the healthcare system as um, uh, as competition, but rather uh, yeah, potential partners to collaborate with. Um, and when it comes to those partnerships, I mean, a, a lot of the um, the traditional ones are, uh, at least in my eyes, somewhat hesitant to partner up with someone like Google, Amazon and else um, other players because of the sheer size um, of the company and the kind of the the appetite to understand obviously more um, the, the, the diseases and, and the mechanisms of action to then apply that into algorithms uh, to read into data and, 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 and take proper um, looks into the insights behind the data. What, how do you see that and, and how could you overcome this barrier? Um, I think in general, I agree, Thomas, there is a perception about tech uh, and and we, we do do a much better job in sharing and creating awareness around those. So there's that perception. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I also will say that in my past three years, um, I've seen a significant shift in the industry. 
Mm-hmm. It used to be when, you know, even when I was in the industry, it was like, why, how we could do it better uh, in our own data centers. We can do this. We don't really need to rely on a tech company because um, people want to be self-sufficient. And and over time, what I've seen is there's a huge shift. Now, now they're not asking why cloud. Mm-hmm. That conversation is, is gone. It's now how cloud. That is true. Yeah, true. So now they are very much willing to um, to to work with us, and that that conversation is changed because now they're seeing and they understand the techs playing it, um, and, and that's the reason we are now entering into what I call very interesting making partnerships like the one we did with the Mayo Clinic. There is that understanding that both sides have something to offer. Like Google is a leading AI machine learning company we have capabilities we have infrastructure that can really help democratize and present this tooling and and healthcare industry is now looking into can we focus into innovation and what we do best like how Mm -hmm. do we take care of patients and and bring those technologies and not kind of reinvent the wheel or maybe leapfrog with the capabilities and tool sets that is available to to them And and COVID frankly has accelerated that by leaps and bounds. Yeah. And so healthcare, you know, saw that we all are Thomas saying it differently, but that healthcare has seen you know years of transformation in, in the weeks and um and we, we so we will continue to see that trend that reliance on better technology and, and technology as an enabler and 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 the and need for an ecosystem like no one company can do it alone right healthcare is too big a cause too big a purpose and and that's where my hope is we can bring the ecosystem together and not just a tech in the industry but different players even within healthcare thanks for sharing that perspective i i very much agree to that and um if i look from a from an outside perspective and and also listening to conversations a lot of people are talking about the tech right um um, and and the techs entering healthcare but at a closer look and i take amazon as an example here amazon to me is a company amazon health uh, um Mm -hmm. that 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 is positioning more as a disintermediating player yeah, um, across the healthcare sector, taking different roles um, and, and kind of cutting out the middleman uh, by by nature in the US as an employer being also a payer, um, uh, moving towards provider by offering virtual primary care support, but also buying a pill pack and become a wholesaler. Um, th- that is kind of an, a positioning as a disintermediating player. Now, taking a look at Google, um, Google Cloud and Google Healthcare, I would rather see your strategy around um, uh, developing digital health solutions and being an enabler for others to develop those digital health mm-hmm. solutions around virtual care, um, around augmentation of, of physicians and better decision making, but not so much in disintermediating, but giving better tools in the hands of, of those needing those. Um, would you agree to that or would you see that totally different, obviously from a, from a Google perspective? Thomas, absolutely. And that's our strategy for, for, for Google Cloud in healthcare and life sciences. We believe in the power of ecosystems and, and they create powerful forces that can truly, um, you know, reshape the healthcare delivery or healthcare trajectory, if you will. 
And we believe that we have the tool set, we have the capabilities. And uh, I'll go back to the start of the interview. Google started as a consumer company. And along the journey, we have created some amazing, incredible AI machine learning capabilities. And there's a passion. Can we apply those same capabilities in the world of healthcare? Can we create those tools? Because we are not a healthcare company by ourselves and neither do we intend to be. We we want to be very core to who we are, and we are mm-hmm. we have expertise in technology. So um, that's where we define ecosystem as a set of capability and services that we can offer to that value chain participants and be it providers, be it payers, be it pharma companies in terms of, you know, data wrangling, data analytics, AI, machine learning that we can, and then you mentioned even culture too. So that's the reason one of the key tenets of our mayor partnership was we actually opened an office in Rochester, which is now a little bit in a soup because of 2020 and everyone is working from home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Still, yeah. It rarely happens to me to have such an innovative mind, obviously, with me and around me, and especially on the podcast, of course. So allow me one final question. If if we would re-meet in about 10 years from now, let's say 2030, we would meet and you would look back uh, jointly with me um, over the last 10 years in healthcare, um, what by that time in our conversation in the future would have been, in your perspective, the, the biggest advancements, uh, the biggest surprises in your perspective? Thomas, that's a, that's a very good question. I would answer it both, not just from a tech perspective. What we saw during COVID is an unprecedented collaboration. Mm-hmm. What we saw during COVID is unprecedented, um, you know, coming out of inertia and people participating and collaborating that I've never seen before, right? They're tremendous. Everyone open, yeah. Right? And never has anyone united people toward one single cause like COVID has. And when I, but what I want to look back after, you know, 10 years uh, looking back is that COVID changed how the industry paradigm shifted and how we all can work together to solve and rise up to the occasion and solve problems together this is not you know healthcare especially healthcare is it touches you know all of us it's you know it's a human endeavor and can we bring these capabilities together and and collaboration is key and i think to me if covid changes that we should be all very grateful that there is that silver lining that brought the industry together like never before in world's leading scientists researchers pharma companies you know policy making all working together one common cause in in rising up to the occasion to solve the this invisible enemy that we all are facing. I think that's my hope. Um, we will see, of course, advancements in AI machine learning. They will become mm-hmm. more mainstream, moving from bedside to bedside, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the profound change that I've seen in the industry is, is, is that um, the the working together and the, the whole ecosystem, it's a huge opportunity to tap together. into this solution. Yeah. Well, and and I like your phrase, collaboration is key. And and yeah, uh, what a great ending I can only say uh, for this uh, 
very insightful um, and, and, and honest conversation that we just had. And uh, yeah, um, I can only say let's work towards this. Making collaboration is key, a reality also in, in the years to come. Um, and Ashima, really big thank you from my end for taking the time. I know it's a very precious time that, that uh, and schedule that you're on and uh, highly appreciated um, your your open and honest sharing of, of thoughts and, and, and giving us all inspiration here. Thomas, thank you for having me, truly, uh, and uh, honored to be here. Thank you for the generous introduction and in giving me this opportunity to share my thoughts. Stay well and uh, be well. Thank you. So with that said, thank you very much for listening in today's episode. I hope you found it as enjoyable as I did with Ashima. I'm already looking forward to um, upcoming conversations in the days and weeks to come. But until then, stay safe and have a good time. Thank you and bye-bye. Strategy and strategy made real.